Well, good morning. It is good to see all of you here. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning for worship. Thank you for the praise team leading us uh, so beautifully this morning. If you have your Bibles, let me turn. Let me invite you to turn with me to Psalm 18, our uh, our last Sunday in the Psalms uh, for this series through the month of November. I know there's another Sunday in the month of November, but this is what I like to refer to as Thanksgiving Sunday. I know it's not like an official title, but the the Sunday before Thanksgiving to me is Thanksgiving Sunday. And so this is one where I always really like for us to focus on that idea. I think it kind of, this is the first day of the week. I know a lot of times it seems like Monday is the first day of the week, but we celebrate the Lord's Day as the first day of the week, and I believe that today, us being thankful to the Lord for who He is and what He's done can really set the tone for the rest of our week. And so I pray that we do that together this morning. So this morning, as we look, you know, we've looked at Psalm 15, 16, 17 this month. Now, in Psalm 18, we're going to see this is actually the longest Thanksgiving or uh, testimony psalm in all of the Psalter. So, Uh, The third longest psalm overall, but the longest Thanksgiving psalm that there is. Now, to some of you, that sounds exciting, and some of you say, oh, no, (laughs) the longest Thanksgiving psalm. But it's not like, it's not competing with Psalm 119. It's not like that sort of long. And I will also tell you this, because of the length of this text, this morning's sermon will be a little bit different. It will be uh, a, a large majority of the sermon this morning will be the text itself. I will read the portions of text with only brief comment in between them. Uh, it'll be a lot less me adding things and a lot more of us looking at the scripture this morning. And for that reason, I believe this will be one of the better sermons that I will ever preach because uh, a, a larger portion of what I say will actually be the inspired Word of God. And so this morning we'll be blessed to be able to hear that together. But just a little bit of background. If you look at the heading that is just before the psalm in Psalm 18, it says, To the choir master, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who addressed the words of this song to the Lord on the day when the Lord rescued him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul, He said, and that is specifically the background that we understand of this heading uh, of this psalm is when God delivered him from his enemies, but specifically from King Saul. And we'll talk about King Saul and their relationship just a touch later. But that is the background that we understand of this psalm. So just with that in mind, this man that has been trying to kill David, that he's been running from for, it's hard to pin down exactly how long, but well over five years. He ran from Saul and ran for his life. And when he was delivered, he wrote this song. So look with me, beginning in verse 1, Psalm 18. It says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. Now, this psalm is 50 verses long, and verses 1 through 3, and then verse 50, really set the tone for what he's doing here. This shows us what he's doing. He, he is expressing his love 
and praise to God for what he did. And so that's why I like to refer to this as a testimony psalm more than necessarily a thanksgiving psalm. He is thankful. He is praising God. He is telling God that he loves him. But it's because he's recounting what God has done. He's literally sharing his testimony about what God has done. These words that we find in these first verses. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, the one in whom I take refuge, my shield, my salvation, my stronghold is worthy to be praised. This, to me, is the language of the redeemed. These are the sort of things that David says and the sort of things that you and I should say. These things should resonate with our hearts when we hear God being praised and being given such wonderful and lofty titles. Right, so then he tells us why. Right, There's a lot of here why, why it is. So verses 4 and 5, he says, The cords of death encompassed me, the torrents of destruction assailed me, the cords of Sheol entangled me, the snares of death confronted me. And here I just want to make a brief note because it's easy for us to look at somebody else's situation and say, well, that wasn't that bad. Right, have y'all ever done that? Or you tell somebody about your terrible week and to you it's just the worst ever and you tell them and they're like, that doesn't seem like it was that bad. And you say, well, because you weren't there. Because it wasn't your week. And I think we can do that here with David. But what he says here, I can picture. I picture this, you may picture it differently than I do, but he says, the cords of death encompass me, the torrents of destruction assailed me, the cords of Sheol entangled me, the place of the dead entangled me, the snares of death confronted me. I picture literally a grave being dug, and like the grim reaper is in that grave, and he has ropes tied around David, and he's literally trying to pull him into the grave. This is the, the, the amount of pain and agony that David is describing in verses 4 and 5 really set the tone for, for the rest of the psalm. If we don't understand how bad things were, we're not going to understand why it's such a big deal that God delivered him. So that's what he's saying here. He's saying that I was in anguish. I can picture it in my head, but David felt this in his heart. I was in anguish. I was in pain. I was fearing for my life. He literally had to run to other countries. He had to hide himself in caves, right? This was bad. He was being hunted by the most elite units of Israel's army. Things were bad. They were really bad. And David was hurting. And many of you have been in things where you felt this, whether it was cancer or COVID or losing a loved one. You have felt there was a time in your life when you felt like, I couldn't go on. I was right at the point of being completely hopeless. And so what did David do in such a time? Verse 6, In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Point one this morning is that God is attentive to the prayers of his children. Because he says there, In my hopelessness, I cried out to God. In my hopelessness, I prayed, and he also says, From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. And I want us to always be thankful for that, that when we pray, God hears us. God listens to us, and he cares about the things that we ask of him. So then let's see God's response. This will be a lengthier piece of text. So look with me in verse 7. 
Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him. Thick clouds, dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. And he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. He sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. So what do we see here? We see the very, the very specific response of God. We see how David knew that God heard his prayer and that God was attentive to his cry because there is this, and now you have to remember, this is poetry, right? This is poetic. This is a song. David is not literally saying that coals and fire started flying everywhere and that God looked like a fire-breathing dragon. Not that he couldn't if he wanted to. It's not that he literally sent arrows from heaven that scattered the enemy. But what David is saying is, it was clear when I prayed to God and I was being pursued by Saul and being pursued by these armies, it was clear when I prayed to God that he was angry. That God did not look lightly at these evil men trying to kill his chosen one. It was clear. I don't know exactly how it was clear, but it's clear. And then we see it, it wasn't just, and I love verse 9 there, that he bowed the heavens and came down. I love the picture of that in my mind, that, that God not only heard and not only was he angry, but he responded. And God came to my rescue, and we see that in verses 16 and 17. Not only was there noise and, and commotion, and it was clear that God heard, but he says, He sent from on high, and he took me, he drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. Not only did God hear him, and not only did God care for him, but whenever you have death that's trying to pull David down and you have Saul that's trying to put him in the grave, David then gives us the, the contrast to that, that God came from on high and lifted me up. Right? They were trying to put me in a snare and trying to put me in a trap and God put me in a place where it was broad and open and I was not hemmed in. So God counteracts all of the evil of all of these men and God rescues him. And that's point two. God moved heaven and earth to respond when he heard the prayer of david literally in the words here it seems that god moved heaven and earth he says that he came to my side he came to my help he delivered me and not again not in that he literally bowed heaven down but in some way god was there and god confronted the enemies and god saves him 
And it, the very last verse there of that section, verse 19, in the second part, there's something that has also captivated my thoughts this week. Verse 19 says, He brought me out into a broad place. And it says, He rescued me because He delighted in me. And as I've thought about that, not just being for David, but being my testimony as well, I thought, God didn't just save me because he had to. God didn't just save me because that was what's expected of him. But God saved me because he delighted in me. He wanted to save me. That's what a blessed thought that is. And so in verses 20 through 24, David gives us the reasoning behind it. And we're not going to spend as much time as I'd like to here. But I do want you to pay specific attention to how 20 and 24, those two verses, really seem to mirror one another. It says, The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me, and his statutes I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from my guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. Now, I do want to give a little bit of comment here because, again, we read this in our context, not in David's context. So, in our context, this looks like, well, David is once again talking about his works. God saved me because I'm righteous. God saved me because I've done the right thing. That's what it appears that David's saying here, because I'm such a good person, God saved me from the hand of Saul. But there are two things to note here. One is our somewhat misunderstanding of the word righteousness here. It's the same word that we talked about that was blameless in Psalm 15. And, and whenever I said, look, we read that and talk about who can be in God's presence and the one who is blameless and we all thought where well, I'm done, but we looked at it. It's not literally that you've never done anything wrong, but it's this heart intent to follow God. And we have the same thing here. So when it says, the Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness, he's not saying God dealt with me because I've never done anything wrong. It's not what David's saying. David's using a word that doesn't translate well for us, but what he's saying is because I desire to follow after God, because I am in relationship with God, because I am pursuing the things that God has given me to pursue, God is responding on my behalf. Let me give you a definition from uh, Van Geerman. He's a scholar who's talking specifically about this word in this verse in this context. And he says, righteousness and blamelessness are not to be equated with works righteousness, nor with perfection. It is the joyous expression of love to God for all his mercies. It is a response of gratitude. The psalmist is not saying to God, look what I have done for you. But he says, Lord, I love you so much that I make every effort to please you. And so we've heard this. If you've been in a, a Southern Baptist church, if you've been a Christian for long, you've heard this. We always talk about it as that, that we don't do the things that we do because we have to, right? We do them out of response to God's love for us. God has loved us, and through Christ, God has forgiven us. And so now we live according to His law, not because that makes us saved, but because we want to, because we are saved. Right? We are responding, and that's what we see here. David is saying, 
God, I know who you are and I recognize what you've done and my heart desires to follow you. And out of that, God is responding to him. So that's the first thing, is understanding righteousness. But the second thing is understanding that what David's doing here, I believe fully, is he's contrasting himself with Saul. Right? Remember, that's the context of this psalm. You have Saul the enemy, and then you have David. And so these two men are being contrasted here. You have one who was chosen as king, right? Saul was the first king of Israel. And he's the king, but he does not follow the things that God has for him. He doesn't do what God told him to. And I want to give you a couple of verses that help us to grasp that a little bit better. We have these on the screens for you, but 1 Samuel 15, 10 and 11 says this. The word of the Lord came to Samuel, the prophet. And the Lord said this, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me, and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. And then a couple chapters before that, we see a very similar thing. It's a pattern with Saul. In 1 Samuel 13, 13 and 14, it says, And Samuel the prophet said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So you have Saul who was chosen to be king and who was going to receive all of these promises, but he's not been faithful to God. Time and time again, God gives him direct commands and says, do this, and Saul goes and does something different. Saul doesn't do what he's supposed to. He's not been faithful. He does not have a heart that's pursuing God. He is not living with this sort of righteousness. And so God removes the anointing from him. He says, you're not going to be king anymore. I'm choosing a man after my own heart, which we know is David. And so now David has been anointed as king. He's been chosen to be the king, and Saul is still trying to kill him. And what David, I believe, do, is doing here is contrasting the two of them. One man who does not pursue God and does not follow God and does not listen to the commands of God, and then David who says, I am. Not I am perfect, but God, I am following your plan. God, I am trying to pursue what you have for me. And I think verses 25 through 30 reiterate this. Look in verse 25. David says, With the merciful you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man you show yourself blameless. With the purified you show yourself pure. And with the crooked you make yourself seem tortuous. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, His way is perfect, and the word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in Him. For those who take refuge in Him. Not for everyone, but for those that are seeking Him. God will be found. We find that all throughout the scriptures. And so point three is that God is faithful to his children. And he is. And I'm not trying to draw some contrast and tell you whether Saul's in heaven or not, whether he's God's child or not. That's not part of this sermon today. But what I am trying to point out doesn't have to do with Saul. It has to do with David. And it has to do with this fact. God kept every single promise he made to David. 
right? David says, I was in a terrible place. I felt like I was literally being pulled into the grave, and I prayed, and when I prayed, God heard me, and God saved me. Because I am His and He is mine. He has saved me from my enemies because God promised that He would preserve my life. He did preserve my life. David is not trying to give us a treatise on Saul. He's trying to tell us about God's faithfulness. He's saying God is good. And if God's made you a promise, God will keep that promise. If God has told you He will do something, He will do it. And brothers and sisters, that's good news. And then we're going to, I really need you to stay with me here because it's a lengthy piece of text. We're going to finish out the psalm right here. But what we see is exactly how God responded. We see that he saved David. We see that he delivered him from Saul. And now he's going to tell us how. He says in verse 31, For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? The God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me. And your gentleness made me great. You gave me a wide place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and overtook them and did not turn back till they were consumed. I thrust them through so that they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet, for you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me, and those who hated me I destroyed. They cried for help, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them fine as the dust before the wind. I cast them out like the mire of the streets." You delivered me from strife with the people. You made me the head of the nations. People whom I had not known served me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners came cringing to me. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortresses. The Lord lives and blessed be my rock and exalted be the God of my salvation, the God who gave me vengeance and subdued peoples under me who delivered me from my enemies. Yes, you exalted me above those who rose against me. You rescued me from the man of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. So David here is just recounting God's faithfulness. Right? He's saying, I was in a terrible place, I was in a terrible position, literally had armies chasing me. I was hiding in caves and had to go from one place to the next to the next. Year after year after year, this was his life. Right? We thought it was bad in 2020, all the things that we had to deal with, and then whenever it lingered on into 2021, we said, oh no, it's here too. But David, for possibly seven or ten years, could not lay his head down to go to sleep without thinking that somebody would kill him while he was sleeping. Could not go to his house. Could not visit with his family because the king and all the king's horses and all the king's men were out to kill him. And he prays and he prays and God hears him. And God responds to him. And God saves him. And, and all the things that he says here are true. He literally 
in battle, defeats all of the enemies, and now Saul is dead, and all of those that pursued him are dead, and he is free from the weight and worry of all those things. And he says, you know who did this? God is the one who did this. In verse 43, he says, you delivered me from strife with the people. You made me the head of the nations. And he goes on, and throughout this, you just see over and over that it was God who did it. Verse 46, the Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation, the God who gave me vengeance and subdued peoples under me, who delivered me from my enemies. Yes, you exalted me above those who rose against me. You rescued me from the man of violence. David is clear. This is about God. God has done so much more than could have been asked or could have been expected. And then in verses 49 and 50, as I said, he wraps the whole thing up. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love. There's our word from last week, right? Hesed, that covenant love, that loving kindness, that, that love that's unexpected and undeserved but given anyway. He says that, that God shows that to his anointed, that's David. And he shows it to David and his offspring forever. He says, once again, we've seen that God is faithful. God keeps his promises. God does what he says he's going to do. And that's what the psalm is. This is his testimony. I can tell you God really does it because I've lived through it. Point four, the last point. David responded to God's faithfulness with praise, right? God responds to David's prayer with faithfulness, right? He's faithful to do the things that he said. David said, I need you to deliver me from my enemies. I need you to fulfill your promises. And God does. He responds with faithfulness. He does it. And so then David responds to God's faithfulness with praise. And now here's the thing that I recognize in this psalm, and I pray that you recognize as well, is that we have a similar testimony. Ours is obviously against not flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, against sin, right? He needed to be delivered from Saul, but in the same way, we all needed to be delivered from sin. We were literally hopeless. We were on our way down into the place of the dead, to hell, to receive the punishment and torture that we deserved forever and ever. That's where we were headed. That was our trajectory, unless somebody interceded. David was going to be killed by Saul unless somebody stepped in and God stepped in. And you and I were going to go to hell forever unless somebody stepped in and Jesus did. And we can say all of these things as well. You delivered me. You are my rock. You are the God of my salvation. You are the one that has saved me, God. You are the one that has done this. You have promised good to us and you have brought forth all of those good things. We have very much the same testimony. We were utterly hopeless Unless you did something and Jesus left heaven and came to earth and lived a perfect life and died a perfect death and came back to life. So now when you and I, when we recognized our lostness, when we recognized our hopelessness and responded in faith to Christ, now we don't have those same feelings. Right now we can sing a psalm like this. We can say, I'm free. 
I don't have those worries anymore. I don't have the guilt of, st- of sin anymore. I don't have the stain of sin anymore. Those things are gone. And sin doesn't have power over me. Used to, I would find myself doing things that I didn't want to do. And now, with Christ's power in me, I find myself being able to say no to sin. Being able to tell temptation, no. And, and I'm never alone because every time I call on God, He is listening, He's attentive. I've been reconciled to Him so that God literally sits and listens to every single thing that I say to Him. Do you ever think about that? That God's never too busy for us, but that the God of everything listens to us. Every time we call on His name, He's listening to what we say. We've been given all of these blessings that we don't deserve. And we've been promised more to come, right? An eternal home with the eternal king. Looking on him face to face in a place where there is no night and there is no sin and there is no sickness and there is no death. It's promised. And David says God always keeps his promises. If he told you it's coming, it's coming. Brothers and sisters, we have so much. Our testimony is so great. And it's so amazing of who God is and of what He's done for us. But when, when David saw God's faithfulness, he said, I will praise you. And he praises, praises Him in his prayer journal. Right? He writes songs to Him. But he also praises Him publicly. Not just privately, because sometimes it's easy for us to do that, right? Sometimes we even forget to do that. But sometimes we at least, when we lay down at night, we say, God, thank you for this or this or this. But David says, For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. And this is where I personally feel some conviction on this Thanksgiving Sunday. It's not that God hasn't been faithful. He's been faithful. He's given me so much more than I deserve. It's not that God hasn't listened to me. I trust that every single time I've called out to Him, He's heard me. And not just heard, but listened. And those of you that have spouses that are selective hearers, you know there's a difference in hearing and listening. God listens to us every single time. And He responds, not always the way I want Him to, not always in the time that I want Him to, but perfectly. Every single prayer I've ever prayed, God has responded perfectly to that prayer. And I trust that. So he has always been faithful. But here is the question. David responded to his faithfulness with praise. How do we respond to God's faithfulness? Do you praise him? I don't praise him enough privately, personally, or publicly. Brothers and sisters, if you have a testimony, it needs to be shared. If the gospel has impacted your eternity then you need to tell other people about it. We need to share of His goodness among the nations. We need to tell the gospel. We need to tell people God is good and He is loving and He is kind and He has made a way that you can be reconciled to Him. People need to hear that and they need to hear what difference it's made in our life. Who I used to be before Him and who I am now. I can draw that out for you, but I don't say it enough. I need to say it. I was nothing. I was hopeless. I was headed to hell. Until God found me and showed me who I was without him. And now, brothers and sisters, it's good. Life is good with the Lord. And if you can say that too, then we need to make sure that we do say it. And say it often. And say it to everyone that will listen.
I invite you to stand this morning. And the first question I have is, are you part of the family of God, right? Are you saved? Is this your testimony? Because if it's not, I want you to understand that this morning, if you recognize how much you need God, He's already made a way that you can be reconciled to Him. I would love to talk to you about that. How can this testimony that I'm so excited about, this testimony that David shared so beautifully, how can it become your testimony? I'd love to talk to you about that. Maybe some of you are here and you're in that hopeless hurting place right now and you feel like you're praying and God's ignoring you. Just know this, He's not. You may not recognize it, but He is listening. He hears your prayers and He cares about the things that you're asking Him. But I also think this morning that some of us are here and we need to respond with praise. You may praise Him right now by singing out loud. You may pray and ask Him to give you strength to praise Him more often at work with other people. You may have something else that you need to do. But this morning, I want us to have a time to respond. We're going to sing this morning, Standing on the Promises, because His promises always come true. So you respond how the Lord leads you to. Brother Shane leads us in a hymn of invitation.